Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. to in darkness, reveal it in light. What was whispered in two years, shattered on the rooftops. Good afternoon, church. Good to see you guys. For all those that are joining in through our YouTube live streaming, we welcome you. If you happen to be a visitor to our church service today, we encourage you to uh, leave a short message uh, in the live chat box or go to our church website and there's a still a small form that you can fill out that would allow us to get your contact info and may be able to answer any questions that you may have of our ministry and our church. So we encourage you to do that. Well, a couple of announcements before we begin uh, with the rest of our service today. This coming Tuesday is our monthly prayer gathering called Presence. So this uh, coming Tuesday, just two days after, we will gather on Zoom at 8.30 p.m. And we will have the chance to pray together, pray for one another. As we know that the special things happen when God's people gather together in his name. That we know that we are able to access his uh, power, we are able to receive a supernatural encouragement. So we do encourage you to join in uh, to our Zoom prayer meeting presence this coming Tuesday. Also, our CM is planning to have a VBS in just a couple of uh, just a couple weeks' time on July 17th on Saturday from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. Yes, that you heard that right. For four hours, all the kids ages from three and up, uh, we will have a VBS. Our children's ministry director, Chris Park, and his staff have been working really hard to put this VBS together. So if you have any questions, if you have not yet signed up, you have not registered, we encourage you to do that. If you have any questions, reach out to Chris Park. All right? Um, Also, uh, we are scheduled to have two more in-person gatherings in the month of July. You know, what happens in August, I'm very hopeful. Uh, I have been praying, and most likely we will be able to, our goal is to get back to, uh, get back to our normal, normal meetings prior to the pandemic, uh, which is now, which will have been about uh, roughly uh, 16, 17 months since what happened March of 2020. So until the month of August, until further notice, we are, con- we are set for two more in-person gatherings. Uh, we will have a little bit more loosened guidelines at church. The masks, co- mask coverings are now optional for those that are vaccinated. Uh, if you're not vaccinated, we still ask you to wear a mask covering. And we will have a slightly increased number of chairs set up here in the sanctuary of our church. So I look forward to it. You know, this past Sunday, we were able to have in-person service. It was so good. It was so good to see so many faces at church again. And it's just a little different to be able to hear the singing and the praises of your fellow Christians, brothers and brothers, uh, sisters, and to be able to preach also to a live audience. That was very meaningful for me. So if you haven't uh, done um, any of the in-person services, we do encourage you. So the church is still... Pro- uh, um, abiding by the, the, the safety protocols, and, and we, were, we are still doing our best to make it a uh, very comfortable and engaging env- environment for you and your family. So sign up, go on our Eventbrite page, uh, go to our church website, and you'll see a link to the Eventbrite page, which you and your family can make reservations for those two service dates. Again, that's July 4th, that's next week, and July 18th. 
July 4th, I do believe that today is the last day which you can reserve, make a reservation. So if you're tuning into service today, go on the website, make that reservation because after today, we will not allow late reservations for those two particular dates. So go, go ahead, if you're planning on it, sign up, and we would love to see you here at church. Also, as announced this past Sunday, on the 18th of July, we will conduct a special ceremony where we will install a new board member. As announced, Sasha Tian has been elected as a new board member, and we will have a chance to install him officially. Also, we welcome five brand new members to Rooftop Church on that same day. So again, it's going to be a fantastic day. It's going to be a time of honoring God for his faithful work, and we get to celebrate together for those that are joining into our new tribe. All right. If you have your Bibles with you, would you turn your Bibles with me to the book of 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 20. Today we are going to read from 120 all the way to chapter 2, verse 3. It's not many. It's about five, six verses altogether. So 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 20 to chapter 2, verse 3. Are you there yet? If you're there, let's read together in one voice. This is the reading of God's word. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture becomes a matter of someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. But men, moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. But false prophets also appeared among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you, who will secretly... introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their indecent behavior, and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned, and in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Amen. Friends, would you bow your heads with me in prayer before we begin? God, we thank you for allowing us the time and space to gather together, God. God, in just a few more weeks, Lord Father, that we will more regularly gather here inside the sanctuary, Lord, worshiping you, God, uh, learning of your holy word, God. But today as we gather, uh, do the same work, Lord Father, God. Speak to us. God, as we particularly go into the teaching of discerning false teachers among us, Lord, God, I pray that you would give us the a revelation from your holy scriptures, God. God, I pray that you would give us the discernment so that, we, so that we may have the ability to sift through the lies and the deceptions that are so prevalent in this world. God, give us ears to hear, but God, give us the hearts and the faith to understand and obey what your word says to it today, Lord. We thank you. Spirit, be with us as we are beginning to unpack your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There's a pastor named Sean Moon that I came across a few years ago. Uh, He has a church called World Peace and Unification Sanctuary Church located all the way in Pennsylvania in the city of Newfoundland. Uh, Just a brief description uh, there should um, 
give you some kind of awe or intrigue or even concern for those that are mindful Christians. So he was uh, brought to national attention in 2018 where he conducted a wedding ceremony and uh, he allowed, not he allowed, he mandated everyone uh, attending that wedding ceremony to show up with an automatic rifle, particularly AR-15. So not only for for those that are uh, committing their vows to the Lord uh, as they are being united as one, but everyone, for whatever reasons, they were mandated to, they were required to attend the ceremony with an automatic rifle. As you can see in the picture, for those that are joining in at home, uh, he's wearing a crown made of um, uh, AR-15 ri- uh, bullets, right, the ammo, and he's, he himself is holding a very elaborate, very fancy gun. So when I read this news, I was so intrigued that, man, what kind of man, strange man, I think I was intrigued because... He, he, he looked a lot like me. Guys, don't judge me. Don't, I mean, maybe you should be praying right now, but man, he looks a lot like me, and he calls himself the pastor, but what on God's earth would a pastor require all the attendees of the wedding would require to show up with automatic rifles in their hands? So I did a little bit, little bit of research, and I found out shortly after the research that he's indeed the youngest son of the Reverend Sun Myung Moon. Some of you guys may be familiar with that name. Now, Reverend Moon, the senior, he's the founder of the Unification Movement. And he started his church, again, he started his ministry career as a Christian church. Uh, just about two, three years after leading the Christian church, he wrote his own book, explaining the new doctrines that he believed that God has conveyed to him. And he began a brand new church in 1954 upon writing his own book called Divine Principle. And he began a new church or new thought or new, I would even say new religion, but a a deviation of a Christian church. And and his basic tenets of the church were that he believed that there is a, a sinless man existed. That he believed that under the power of God, the sinlessness was able to be achieved from the human perspective. So that that man who had reached perfection could indeed save the entire world, bringing and forming the kingdom of God here on earth. He believed that the goal of every man and woman on this earth should be that they themselves would become like messiahs, leading to further salvation for not, if not many, eventually all of the humankind. So he believed that in the perfect marriage, right? First Adam was Adam. He believed the second Adam was Jesus, who was also uh, perfect. And he believed that he himself was a third Adam, which the perfection of God had already been achieved. Right? Some of you guys are being uh, concerned right now. You guys are being confused, right? So he believed that he had reached a perfect uh, perfection as a human being. In that, in his marriage to his third wife at the time, in their union, he believed that every human being was to be married under their guidance as they were the perfect human beings, right? And that it was God's will that God would eventually expand his perfect kingdom on earth as more and more people were united in marriage under their leadership, under their parenthood. That was the exact term, 
parenthood. So it was very important that the Reverend Moon and his wife were deemed as parents of all of these couples, millions and millions of people that were uni- uh, unified in the sanctity of marriage. All right. In 2012, when he died, all uh, the movement split into various competing factions, and his wife and his youngest son uh, uh, created the biggest divide. And that the youngest son is the first guy in the picture that I showed you. His name's Sean Moon. So he himself came from that line of, um, I would say, occult, a, 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 a right? And now he believes that. Um, I, I guess I, so I did a little, little bit of research too, right? I'm like, um, so he believes that his church and himself were called by God to stand up against the government or any governing authorities restricting them in any ways, that they believe that they have been called by God to bring about an established new kingdom here on earth. So one of the ceremonies that they adhere to is that in every church service, Every church patron comes up with AR-15. Strange, right? Again, the, 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 even the city of where they meet should bring about some kind of alarm. Newfoundland, that just screams cultic, heresy, uh, really, really uh, concerning, right? So my immediate thoughts when I came across and uh, finished a little bit of my research on my own, I thought, man, what? That is so absurd, And I thought, what kind of people would actually follow this guy? Who would actually believe that these claims to be true? I mean, what? Why? And how many people are joining this guy? And I found that there are hundreds of people. People are literally moving away from their hometowns. They're literally relocating themselves so that they could be near this new church. Fascinating. You know, there are other cults as well. He's certainly one of so many cults that are out there in this world. You know, honestly, too many to even name all of them. There are beliefs and doctrines that seem to convey the truth. There are beliefs and doctrines that may sound similar to the Christian uh, fundamental beliefs, but there are so many that deviate away from the truth, uh, uh, truthful claims of what the Bible conveys to us. A few years ago, even personally, I encountered a movement called New Heaven, New Earth. Uh, there was a movement that actually started from South Korea. I don't know why South Korea is the epicenter of all these um, false doctrines and uh, cultic movements. But as a Korean myself, nothing to be uh, uh, proud of, right? And I remember in my uh, former church, I remember that warning came to all of us. And the tactics were such that uh, these, uh, the followers of the new cultic movement, New Heaven and New Earth, they would incubate them, so they would plant themselves. They would come from South Korea as missionaries to the States. And they would plant themselves and incubate themselves for two, three years at a time at every local Christian church. And when they have garnered the trust and the faith of their, their churches that they will now newly belong to, then they will begin to manifest in teaching false doctrine, bringing divisions among, the, uh, among themselves, right? I actually encountered this firsthand. I had had uh, former church members that were swept with such movement. 
And they would have so-called Bible studies, particularly local cafes. Starbucks was very famous for doing this, right? They would meet at Starbucks. They would never meet elsewhere. And they would begin to teach their ways of their beliefs. I remember that. Right? There was another guy years ago in 2011. He, came, he claimed himself as a, the last prophet of God, that he believed that God had spoken to them concerning the last days and the return of Christ. So he said, May 2011, that's, and I forget which day he said, that's the, on that particular date, Jesus Christ will come back. So hundreds of people came to this man, a pastor in Oakland, they prepare for the incumbent return of Christ. Many of them selling their possessions, giving up their livelihood, millions and millions of dollars liquidated so that they would encounter this re- glorious return of Christ upon them. Well, that day passed. Nothing happened. So this guy came up and said, you know what? I actually made a mistake in calculating or hearing God's voice. So he said, not on May, not in May, but actually this will take place in the month of October. Guess what? Month of October happened, nothing happened, and he just disappeared. Fascinating. And each time I encounter these stories, I'm caught somewhere in between incredible disbelief. Meaning, why do, even, why do people even fall for these? Why do Christians fall for these absurd claims? And another uh, feeling that I have is this incredible annoyance, also coupled with fear. The reality of the fact that the, uh, the enemy is so conniving, he's so crafty in embedding lies and lies that would be disguised as truths. And these lies pervade the Christian church. And maybe some of you guys know, maybe some of you guys have first-hand encounter where your loved ones, your family members, or your friends have been swept away once by these lies that deviate one uh, person's faith. You see, in our text today, in, in the first and second chapter of uh, Second Peter, um, Uh, we get a glimpse of what the early Christians had to fight off as they really tried to retain their faith in Jesus. As they heard the gospel, as they were learning what it means to follow Jesus Christ, they were also inundated with many false teachings. Let me read for you verse 1 in chapter 2. But false prophets also appeared among among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destructions upon themselves. Meaning, Peter conveys to us that there are many teachers that claim themselves as their prophets, many false teachers who claim themselves as their their direct messengers from God himself, and and these guys begin to come at them with destructive heresies heresies. And that's an important word for you to understand, for you should understand. What does a heresy mean? The definition of heresies is this. It's not just lies. It's not just different claims we're talking about. This is the definition of heresy. It means deviation, deviation, or dissension. Well, I feel the need to explain the definition of heresy. 
You see, uh, based on those two descriptions of what a heresy is, it's deviation and it's dissension. Well, these two descriptions allow me to think that, you know what, this is just not a completely different doctrine we're talking about. We're not just talking about different religions altogether. When we talk about heresy, it has a form of, a, it has an appearance of sharing the same source. It has the appearance of uh, holding on to the similar, if not the same substance. Are you with me? So you share the same roots, but somewhere along the line where you are descending from the same root or same substance, there's a division, there's a dissension, there's a divide, there's a deviation that takes place. You know what that means? Every heresy that competes with the Christian fundamental doctrines, every heresy that's out there will look will sound and even feel very similar to the real thing. You with me? Heresy is precise that. It will share the same roots. It will share in the fundamental, the, the fundamental substance will be very similar. But there's a slight deviation. So it appears to us as the right thing. It sounds though that this is all true. But in essence, this will cause many, many followers of Jesus to be lost in their ways if we are not careful. So in those days, there were many teachers and prophets claiming that they were God sent. And they, sent, uh, they were sent to share the special message with and to the people of God. I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. So the, the heresies or the false doctrines that they uh, struggled with back in those days was Gnosticism and, and Sabellanianism, right? Or mon uh, Monarchianism. I hope I'm uh, uh, not butchering the pronunciations here, right? All of these uh, dis different descriptions, they believe that God was one person operating three different modes, Okay? It sounds very similar, right? But it, it cannot be further away from the truth. And they also uh, struggled with uh, another popular heresy during the first century was adoptionism. Meaning, Jesus Christ was fully human. He was born of the human flesh. He was fully human. Merely, he was adopted by the supernatural divine God himself. So, well, if you kind of separate and, and, and dissect a little bit, well, well, Jesus was fully human. Well, but is it really true that as a fully human being that he was adopted or later or eventually be adopted by the supernatural God? Well, that is completely false. We know that Jesus Christ, he's the incarnation of the spiritual God. He was fully human and fully spirit. Right? That, that's, the, that's the uniqueness of the Messiah that we have, right? So all of these heresies confounded and really damaged the faith of the first century Christians. L listen to what Peter is saying here, verse 1. Even denying the Lord who brought them. So in that statement, Peter is recognizing that they're at one point they were brought to salvation. God did indeed lead them to salvation, 
But something happened. That's crazy. So they look and sound like normal Christians, but their hidden teachings and their motives were very destructive in the Christian community. Verse 2 of chapter 2. Many will follow their indecent behavior, and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. You see, this reminds us that false teachers may be very popular. Peter is warning his readers that just because someone or some teaching is popular, that's not to be confounded with the truth of God. Right? We know that God's will always bear fruit. But also know that the devil's work can also increase. It may not necessarily bear the fruit that God allows us to bear, but Satan is also able to mimic the movement of God. So we may see increasing number of people following one claim, one doctrine, one way, but just because of the popularity, Paul, uh, Peter is saying, watch out, guard your faith, guard your heart against false teachers and false prophets. And Peter is saying the motive and the intentions of these false teachers and prophets are really just self-seeking. Verse 3, he says, And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. It says, in their greed, they're self-serving, they're self-seeking. So their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Paul is kind of assuring us that, you know what, false teachers will always be unearthed. False teachers will, not only that, they will not only be discovered, but they will also be judged by God. Meaning, it highlights the power that God is able to expose them of their deceit. It highlights uh, that, that God is able to cast them down to, to hell and deliver them into uh, chains of darkness. And also, God is able to deliver the righteous. If you read verses 7 through 9, it speaks of God's ability and God's willingness and His commitment to deliver Christians or deliver the followers of the truth of Christ, deliver them from the lies and deception. Well, that's really assuring. So I, I, I thank God when I read that passage. Thank you, God, for protecting us. But Christians all around the world, Christians all throughout history and their, in their respective eras, we are always left with a huge problem of, as we are committed, as we seek to live out our faith in Jesus Christ, we will always be surrounded by people, namely false teachers, false prophets, cultic leaders, who will do everything they can to get us off the path of the truth. Okay? I, I, I titled my message, I changed my uh, title of my message today last minute because I believe that warning that Peter conveys in this passage, that warning against false teachers and prophets, we ourselves, being Christians in the 21st century, 2,000 years later, we are just as susceptible and we should be just as diligent and vigilant guarding our faith against the false teachers. 
making sure that we are not swept away by the deceptions and the teachings that the enemy allows us to have here on this earth. Are you with me? So how are we to deal with them? How are we to fight off those false teachers? How are we to guard our faith uh, when we are surrounded by these confusing lies and deceptions? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever come across false teaching? Have you ever come across that even, even maybe in your former uh, church, maybe, man, why is it that a pastor conveys the way he does? There's something uneasy about it. He still, he still has his Bible open. He still has uh, a sound doctrine. He still talks about salvation. The cross is still mentioned in the teaching and the preaching on the pulpit. But something is off. You can't quite put your finger on it, and you find yourself troubled. You find yourself very conflicted, not knowing where you should fully submit to the teaching that comes from the pulpit. First of all, my submission to you this day is, first, we have to first accept that there is a real problem, meaning you have to first um, uh, uh, can see that there is deception all around us, be it in the, pow- uh, be it in the form of a power-hungry pastor who condones spiritual authority abuse or, uh, or pastor who uh, interprets the scripture that fit his agenda. We have to guard our hearts against that. Or what about church who refuses to believe in the final judgment of God as they refuse to believe that God, that a holy God in the name of all loving will never allow people to go to hell? Or a group of people who believe that they have been specially selected that God had let them know of the precise time of his return. I mean, I can just list more and more things that bring about confusion But you and I first have to accept that there's plenty of confusion out there. There are plenty of false teachers out there that are just as active in converting you, just as active in dissuading you and pulling you away from the truth of God. Okay? It's really hard to discern yeah? If we're not careful, we can go wayward in our beliefs and even in our theology in a hurry. Not only is the content of some of these teachings confusing, but they also are very aggressive in a manner that their truth is the more correct truth. And there really is no other way to put this, right? I'm going to say this. You really better know what, you're, uh, what you believe. You better study what you believe and have a firm foundation of your faith that is in Jesus Christ. You better familiarize yourself with what the Bible says, what the Bible is conveying to you. Because in reality, if you're not careful, in reality, if you're not properly equipped, you will fall, you will succumb to these false teachers. I, as I'm uh, 
As I'm sharing this topic today, I'm so curious. I, I, I hope to see you guys. Have you guys ever encountered these things? If you have, would you write them up in the little chat box? If you have come across false teachers, if you come across her- heresies, or if you've even like straight up cults, right, in the Christian churches that, that have sprang up, would you type that in the chat box? And I would love to find out what they are, maybe have a dialogue with you, right? Years ago, almost 20 years ago now, that was a church. There was a church in the city of Bellflower. I won't name that which church, right? And that youth group, particular youth group, was really, really blowing up. It was really like growing, and they were known for very spirit-filled uh, prayer time. They were spirit-filled, um, what did I say, worship, singing times. And many times, uh, many of these services would go more than two hours at a time. And, be, it, I mean... I've never been to one, but there was such a sense of heavy or presence of God. So a lot of young people were flocking to this church in the city of Bellflower. So much so that the local churches began to notice that they were losing some of their students to this particular youth group. So a friend of mine, he was a youth pastor at a very prominent Korean church in, in Orange County as well. So... He had experienced that he was already losing some of his youth kids to this church. So he selected, he, he had one of his uh, teachers, right, say, you know what? I'll, I'll just call him David. His, his real name is not David. Say, hey, David, I want you to go and check out what they're doing. I want you to find out how they're running their services. I want you to actually sit in for a couple services and understand or find out exactly what they are teaching. So he sent this particular youth worker as a spy or to find out exactly what's going on. I think the term that they say, you know what, go two, three weeks and let us know and come back. So this guy, David, he was a college student at the time. One week passed, two weeks passed, David would not return. And it would take months. I think it took almost a whole year. It took more than like eight months, almost up to a year, that where he could not just come out of it. I think it is just a short matter of time. He had already been engulfed in the teachings what that church was conveying. It's crazy. So, so imagine the panic for my friend who has sent a faithful man of God, God-fearing, God-loving, uh, God, uh, equipped in the Bible knowledge, right? And he had lost him just like that. So I want to convey to you just the reality that this really happens. You know, I had a church, uh, someone at Rooftop, uh, that, uh, that particular person was actually a, a member in her youth days. She was a member of that church. And, and she would later tell me, uh, she later told me about how confusing it was and how difficult it was for her to eventually leave that church. And she had said to me, even though that she had felt suspect, even that she knew that the, the, this didn't sound all that right, she struggled with fear. She struggled with judgment. And that, that kind of, th- those emotions perpetuated her continuing to attend such church. So again, maybe you have some of these experiences as well. I, you know, that's just one of so many that are out there. You know, I'm not going to go out and research all the false doctrines. 
I'm not, I'm not going to, I have no intention of going out and setting all the heresies out there. And I'll share in a little bit the reason why I, w- I would never do that. But that's the reality of our problem. So we want to be able to discern this, right? We want to be able to guard our faith against such heresies. And we will need to make sure that we are not swayed by the false teachings. The question is, how do we do that? And my simple remedy to you is you better be familiar with the truth. Let me say that a little bit more plainly. Get familiar with God's Word. Be a reader, be a student of God's Word. And make it your goal to study what is true. Because that is the primary weapon against false teachings and heresies that exist in this world. If you read Henry Blackaby's book called Experiencing God, all right? In that book, he, he uncovers a story uh, which that when the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, right, uh, kind of the Mounties, I think, right, when, when they deal with the way they deal with counterfeit uh, money, how they train themselves, how they discern, how they discern the, uh, train the police about uh, all the counterfeit money that exists in the land of Canada, Blackaby notes that the way you uh, train, way these officers train is that um, uh, they, they always study the authentic bills, right? Because it's impossible to know all the ways to make fake money. It's impossible to know all the ways of counterfeits that are out there. So the police are trained to study the authentic bill. Where they become so familiar with all the finer details of all the things, all the information that is contained in a dollar bill, the pictures, the nuances of the numbers, uh, the, the, the weaving of the little like, you know, strands of, uh, you, you've seen that, right? right? The location of, of the, the seals, the, the, the portrait of the president or the prominent figures that are on it. They study the real thing so much so that any slight deviation from the authentic bill, they're able to spot it out. And I, when I came across this um, story, I thought that was so fitting upon all the Christians. You see, the way we guard ourselves against the heresies and the untruthful claims about the gospel, it's not, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't, uh, build more protection by studying the counterfeits. It's, it's not that we are more well-versed in what, uh, what absurd claims are out there. The best way to guard our faith against those heresies is when we are so immersed in the truth of God. When we become so diligent, when we become so preoccupied dissecting, studying, and scrutinizing all that God's word conveys to us. That is the best way that we don't succumb to the ways of the false teachers, false prophets. Are you with me? The question that we may ask is, man, how do we know? 
How do we know? How, do, how will we ever know? And friends, I'm telling you, we will know as we closely adhere to the teaching, meaning all that the Bible conveys to us. Are you reading the Bible today, friends? Are you a student of God's Word? How immersed are you in learning about what the Bible conveys to us? If you aren't reading, if you aren't studying the Bible, you are really going to struggle to grow. Not even, I would say not even just maintaining, because if you don't diligently read the Bible, you won't have a solid footing. You won't have anything to uphold you, anything to hold on to you, bringing stability. You will be swayed left and right. Right. You will be shaken when the storms come. You will be tempted to be pulled away from the truth of God. So I, I, uh, I don't want to just encourage. I strongly submit to you today. Read God's word. Only then you will be able to measure all the other teachings, theories, uh, conjectures, hypotheses, all these doctrines that are pitted against God's word. The only way you know is if you are a faithful student of God's word. Guys, I thought about this. What if one day, what if actually my former church, um, I was a missionary, um, you know, and, and I received an email from a dear brother of mine. He says, Scott, uh, this new pastor that came, I, I, I'm just really confused. Uh, he's, he says a lot of these claims, and I'm kind of confused, and I, I just want you to tell me, I, I want you to tell me, like, what's true. And one of, the te- one of the things that he began to say during his Sunday sermon was that, that I don't know where this came from, it's a possibility of Adam um, having both male and female trait, uh, traits. And that God somehow, uh, I think he was trying to go from, like, teach from God can both be uh, 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 embracing and embodying male traits as well as motherly traits. And he went from that to uh, Adam uh, uh, potentially being a hermaphrodite. Crazy. So I get this email. I say, bro, you need to read the Bible because that's red flag right away. And then you need to speak up. You need to bring this attention to the leaders, and you want to make sure that the pastor is kept under the check. Friends, dear members of Rooftop, what if one day, what if one day, Scott and Tavis, Pastor Tavis, Pastor Scott, one day we began teaching something that is not the true gospel? I, I, you know, I couldn't even think of examples, right? What if one day Pastor Tavis comes and something so different, his tone is the same? The last time you saw him, he looked the same, but something is off in his teaching. 
What if he says things like, you know what? You need to be a member of this church. You need to study the Bible only with me. Because I believe that God has conveyed supernatural knowledge to me. You need to study the Bible. Because if you don't, you're not a true Christian. Make sure you study the Bible with me. If that ever happens, would you let me know? (laughs) Don't even let me know. Would you just go straight uh, directly up to him and confront him? All right? What if I say something that is so absurd to you, confusing? Would you know how to discern what is true and what is not true? That means, guys, if you only rely on the teaching and the preaching of your pastor, you may just be uh, susceptible to falling into false doctrine as well. Meaning, as a Christian, you better possess the ability to discern and sift through what is true and what is not true. Let me uh, share a couple verses with you guys here. 2 Timothy 3.16, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteous. God's Word, friends, the Bible itself, God has breathed into it. God has allowed himself to be uh, felt. God has allowed himself to be heard, read, encountered, experienced in the form of written word. Hebrews 4, 12, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit as for both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Friends, read the Bible. Let's become better readers. Let's become better students of God's word. You know, I think the concern or the problem of biblical literacy or illiteracy is at an all-time high. I, I, you know, I've been Christian for a little more, more than two decades now. I am more concerned today than I've ever uh, before, right? I think the bi- biblical illiteracy is really becoming a problem. The most recent poll that I uh, came across is that 90% of Americans have a Bible in their homes, 90%. And many of those that own the Bible have multiple copies in their own homes as well. So it's not that the Bible is not accessible. It's not that the availability of the Bible has decreased over the years. It's that people are not reading the Bibles. In the same poll that I studied or that I came across, it says 37% of Americans claim they read the Bible on a weekly basis, 37%. So I thought, I immediately I was skeptical. That number seems way too high. So I thought, okay, if I'm, if I'm being asked a question, if someone calls me or someone asks me, and I'm Christian, hey, do you read the Bible on a weekly basis? I, I, I feel like many of them will be tempted to say, yeah, I, I read the Bible, because we don't, we don't ever want to come off as not reading the Bible. Right? So I thought, maybe that, that number is a little bit, of, little bit inflated. Then I thought, well, there are a lot of people that go to church on Sundays. 
And I thought, well, if, they, if these people come to church on Sunday, and if they open up the Bible, if they open up the Bible, uh, Bible app while the pastor is preaching a sermon, well, some of my people, some of the people may think, well, I read the Bible this week. Why, well, I opened up my Bible. Well, that's once a week, right? So I thought, and, and what about those people that have a daily reminder on their Bible app, and they get alerted, so-and-so, today is Tuesday, and then here's a Bible verse. And I thought, well, that's reading of God's Word. How many of those people of the 37% that say, yeah, I read the Bible on a weekly basis, how many of them are really setting aside the time to read, meditate, and reflect and study what the Bible is saying? I think that number may go down even more. I have a sneaky feeling about that. That number is actually much, much less than that. I'm going to finish up. I'm going to wrap up today's sermon in, in, in just a minute. Today is not about, you know, hey, read the Bible, be spiritually mature, grow in faith. I mean, that's obvious. But I'm saying the, another reason of why we want to read is we want to be able to discern what is true and what is false. Peter conveys to us the dangers of false doctrines, false teachers, false prophets. 2,000 years later, I think we are just as susceptible, if not more, than the Christians that lived in the first century. How are you preparing yourself against the possible dangers that are out there? How will you Keep your children safe. How will you raise your and, and nurture your kids in the truth of God without you first being immersed in reading and studying the Bible? Last verse that I want to share with you. It comes from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 14. A little bit lengthy. Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, here it is. Therefore, he's talking about there are evil forces out there. There, there are disruptions out there. There are obstacles Enemies work out there. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore. First thing is this. Having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with their preparation of the gospel of peace. And, and Apostle Paul will then list three more. He, here's the full armor of God. And the first thing he says, Paul says, Gird yourself with the truth, the belt of truth. He talks about the helmet. He talks about the shield, uh, the breastplate. He talks about the shield. He talks about the sword. He talks about the shoes of the gospel of peace. But the first thing Paul says, be girded in the belt with the truth of God. 
See, understanding, being firm in the truth of God is what allows you to branch out. You see, back in those days, the Roman armor was designed such that the belt had a holster that your, your, uh, uh, your, your uh, what is it? Your sword will be, will be holstered on your belt, right? Also, your armor had a little uh, buckle that would attach itself. Your breastplate would be fastened to the belt. Obviously, you're wearing your, uh, you know, your bottoms as well, you see? The truth of God is what brings all the armor, all the elements of the armor together. Ultimate truth can be found in God's word, ultimately in the person of Jesus Christ. Familiarize yourself with God's truth. Get to know, I I, I don't know if I said this, but truth is a person. Get to know the person of Jesus Christ. Convey through the Bible as you read and study, as you immerse yourself in God's word. Amen. So how do you use the belt of truth? I want to encourage you, friends, start your day as you spend a few minutes in reading God's word. You know, we, we don't do this anymore because I said the challenge was we used to do daily bread, right, on a, week, uh, on a daily basis. And that was so that, so that you can be in a habit of starting the day reading God's word. Spend 10 minutes and see what that does to you throughout the day. And also end your day with the same reflection. Recall what it is that you had read earlier that day. Spend time. What about this? What about memorizing Scripture? What about allowing God's Word to be fully immersed in your heart and in your life? Begin with verses that are important to you. Begin with God's Word. Begin with the Scriptures and passages that that have already ministered to you. Write them down on a flashcard. Write them down on your computer screen and post it on the backdrop. And over and over again. That's what it means to meditate. Regurgitating. Reliving. Allowing the power and the influence of God's word to fully and slowly emanate. Occupying our hearts and bringing about healthier and stronger foundation upon our faith lives. Friends, let us not spend any more time panicking or being discouraged by what lies or what we may succumb to. But let us be excited that we have the truth of God in our hands. We have the ability to discern. The Spirit of God is well and alive in all of our hearts, and He will for sure give us the power. He will give us the discerning abilities as we devote ourselves in reading and studying His Word. Amen? Amen, brothers and sisters? All right, let's pray as we uh, bring to uh, closure uh, today's uh, sermon.
God, I pray this morning or today that you will give us greater desire to read your word. We've got the Bible, that oftentimes it is misplaced, it is displaced. God, it is uh, sitting there collecting dust. Uh, sometimes we, we, we bring it, we take it into places as, I don't know why, maybe it just brings, makes us feel good. But God, help us to really fall in love with your word. God, we learned about all the false teachings and, and, and corruptible heresies out there. And God, we want to guard our hearts against them. God, in this day and age, they are so good. The enemy is so crafty, Lord, that if we're not very careful, God, we can easily miss the target. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters here at Rooftop Church. God, may we be diligent readers of the word. May we be able to stand up and be able to dispel lies and God, uh, and thwart the false teachings that may come our way. We thank you. Uh, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, at this time, we are going to continue our worship by giving offering unto the Lord. So at this time, um, go on to our church website, rooftopchurch.com. You will see on the very far right tab called Give. And as the Spirit inspires you, as the Holy Spirit has, has uh, as God has been working faithfully in your life, may you and I give in return. May, we, may you and I uh, also give in faith for all the things that he will do.